Chapter Twenty Seven of Joshua by George Ebers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Seven. A severe struggle was impending, for as the spies reported, the Amalekites had been joined by other desert tribes. Nevertheless, the Hebrew troops were twice their number. But how greatly inferior in warlike skill were Joshua's bands to the foes habituated to battle and attack. The enemy was advancing from the south, from the oasis at the foot of the sacred mountain, which was the ancient home of their race, their supporter, the fair object of their love, their all, well worthy that they should shed their last drop of blood in her defense. Joshua, now recognized by Moses and the whole Hebrew people as the commander of the fighting men, led his new-formed troops to the widest portion of the valley, which permitted him to derive more advantage from the superior number of his force. He ordered the camp to be broken up, and again pitched in a narrower spot, on the plain of Rephidim, at the northern end of the battlefield, where it would be easier to defend the tents. The command of this camp and the soldiers left for its protection, he confided to his cautious father. He had wished to leave Moses and the older princes of the tribes within the precincts of the well-guarded camp, but the great leader of the people had anticipated him, and with her and Aaron had climbed a granite cliff, from whose lofty summit the battle could be witnessed. So the combatants saw Moses and his two companions on the peak dominating the valley, and knew that the trusted servant of the Most High would not cease to commend their cause to him, and pray for their success and deliverance. But every private soldier in the army, every woman and old man in the camp, knew how to find the god of their fathers in this hour of peril and the war cry joshua had chosen jehovah our standard bound the hearts of the warriors to the ruler of battles and reminded the most despairing and untrained hebrew that he could take no step and deal no blow which the lord did not guide the trumpets and horns of the hebrews sounded louder and louder for the Amalekites were pressing into the plain, which was to be the scene of the battle. It was a strange place of conflict, which the experienced soldier would never have selected voluntarily, for it was enclosed on both sides by lofty, steep, gray granite cliffs. If the enemy conquered, the camp would be lost, and the aids the art of war afforded must be used within the smallest conceivable space. To make a circuit round the foe or attack him unexpectedly in the flank seemed impossible, but the rocks themselves were made to serve Joshua, for he had commanded his skillful slingers and trained archers to climb the precipices to a moderate height and wait for the signal when they were to mingle in the battle. At the first glance, Joshua perceived that he had not overestimated the foe, for those who began the fray were bearded men with bronzed, keen, manly features, whose black eyes blazed with the zest of battle and fierce hatred of the enemy. Like their gray-haired, scarred leader, all were slenderly formed and lithe of limb. They swung like trained warriors, the brazen sickle-shaped sword, the curved shield of heavy wood, or the lance deck below its point with a bunch of camel's hair. The war cry rang loud, fierce and defiant, from the steadfast breasts of these sons of the desert, who must either conquer or lose their dearest possession. The first assault was met by Joshua at the head of men, whom he had armed with heavy shields and lances of the Egyptians. 
Incited by their brave leader, they resisted a long time, while the narrow entrance to the battlefield prevented the savage foe from using his full strength. But when the foe on foot retreated, and a band of warriors mounted on swift dromedaries dashed upon the Hebrews, many were terrified by the strange aspect of the huge unwieldy beasts, known to them only by report. With loud outcries they flung down their shields and fled. Wherever a gap appeared in the ranks, the rider of a dromedary urged it in, striking downward with his long keen weapon at the foe. The shepherds, unused to such assaults, thought only of securing their own safety, and many turned to fly. For sudden terror seized them as they beheld the flaming eyes, or heard the shrill, fierce shriek of one of the infuriated Amalekite women, who had entered the battle to fire the courage of their husbands and terrify the foe. Clinging with the left hand to leather throngs that hung from the saddles, they allowed themselves to be dragged along by the humpback beasts, wherever they were guided. Hatred seemed to have steeled the weak women's hearts against the fear of death, pity, and feminine dread, and the furious yells of these amagere destroyed the courage of many of the braver Hebrews. But scarcely did Joshua see his men yield than, profiting by the disaster, he commanded them to retreat still farther, and give the foe admittance to the valley, for he told himself that he could turn the superior number of his forces to better account, as soon as it was possible to press the enemy in front and on both sides at the same time, and allow the slingers and bowmen to take part in the fray. Ephraim and his bravest comrades, who surrounded him as messengers, were now dispatched to the northern end of the valley, to inform the captains of the troops stationed there of Joshua's intention, and commanded them to advance. The swift-footed shepherd lads darted off as nimbly as gazelles, and it was soon evident that the commander had adopted the right course, for as soon as the Amalekites reached the center of the valley, they were attacked on all sides, and many who boldly rushed forward fell on the sand, while still waving sword or lance, struck by the round rocks or keen arrows discharged by the slingers and archers, stationed on the cliffs. Meanwhile Moses, with Aaron and Hur, remained on the cliff overlooking the battlefield. Thence the former watched the conflict in which, grown gray in the arts of peace, he shared only with his heart and soul. No movement, no uplifted or lowered sword of friend or foe escaped his watchful gaze, but when the attack began, and the commander, with wise purpose, left the way to the heart of his army open to the enemy, Hur exclaimed to the gray-haired man of God, The lofty intellect of my wife and your sister perceived the right course, the son of Nun is unworthy of the summons of the Most High. What strategy! Our force is superior, yet the foe is pressing unimpeded into the midst of the army. Our troops are divided as the waters of the Red Sea parted at God's command, and apparently by their leader's order. To swallow up the Amalekites, as the waves of the sea engulfed the Egyptians, was Moses's answer. Then stretching his arms toward heaven, he cried out, Look down, Jehovah, upon thy people who are in fresh need. Steal the arm and sharpen the eyes of him whom thou didst choose for thy sword. Lend him the help thou didst promise when thou didst name him Joshua. And if it is no longer thy will that he shows himself strong and steadfast, as beseems thy captain, should lead our forces to the battle, place thyself with the hosts of heaven at the head of thy people that they may crush their foes. 
Thus the man of God prayed with arms uplifted, never ceasing to beseech and appeal to God, whose lofty will guided his own, and soon Aaron whispered that their foes were sore beset, and the Hebrews' courage was showing itself in magnificent guise. Joshua was now here, now there, and the ranks of the enemy were already thinning, while the numbers of the Hebrews seemed increasing. Hur confirmed these words, adding the tireless zeal and heroic scorn of death displayed by the son of Nun could not be denied. He had just felled one of the fiercest Amalekites with his battle-axe. Then Moses uttered a sigh of relief, let his arms fall, and eagerly watched the further progress of the battle, which was surging, raging, and roaring beneath him. Meanwhile the sun had reached its zenith, and shone with scorching fire upon the combatants. The gray granite walls of the valley exhaled fiercer and fiercer heat, and drops of perspiration had long been pouring from the burning brows of the three men on the cliff. How the noontide heat must burden those who were fighting and struggling below, how the bleeding wounds of those who had fallen in the dust must burn. Moses felt all this as if he were compelled to endure it, for his immovable steadfast soul was rich in compassion, and he had taken into his heart, as a father does his child, the people of his own blood for whom he lived and labored, prayed and planned. The wounds of the Hebrews pained him, yet his heart throbbed with joyous pride, when he beheld how those whose cowardly submission had so powerfully stirred his wrath a short time before, had learned to act on the defensive and offensive, and saw one youthful band after another shouting, Jehovah, our standard, rushed upon the enemy. In Joshua's proud, heroic figure, he beheld the descendants of his people as he had imagined and desired them, and now he no longer doubted that the Lord himself had summoned the son of Nun to the chief command. His eye had rarely beamed as brightly as in this hour. But what was that? A cry of alarm escaped the lips of Aaron, and her rose and gazed northward in anxious suspense for thence, where the tents of the people stood, fresh war cries rose, blended with loud piteous shrieks, which seemed to be uttered not only by men, but by women and children. The camp had been attacked. Long before the commencement of the battle, a band of Amalekites had separated from the others, and made their way to it through a path in the mountains with which they were familiar. Her thought of his young wife, while before Aaron's mind, rose Elisheba, his faithful spouse, his children and grandchildren, and both, with imploring eyes, mutely entreated Moses to dismiss them, to hasten to aid their dear ones, but the stern leader refused and detained them. Then, drawing his figure to its full height, Moses again raised his hands and eyes to heaven, appealing to the Most High with fervent warmth, and never ceasing in his prayers, which became more and more ardent as time passed on, for the vantage gained by the soldiers seemed lost. Each new glance at the battlefield, everything his companions told him, while his soul, dwelling with the Lord, had rendered him blind to the scene at his feet, increased the burden of his anxieties. Joshua, at the head of a strong detachment, had retreated from the battle, accompanied by Bezalel, Hur's grandson, Aholiab, his most beloved comrade, the youthful Ephraim, and Reuben, Milcah's husband. Hur's eyes had followed them, while his heart was full of blessings, for they had evidently quitted the battle to save the camp. 
with straining ears he listened to the sounds from the north as if suspecting how nearly he was affected by the broken cries and moans borne by the wind from the tents old nun had defended himself against the amalekite troop that assailed the camp and fought valiantly but when he perceived that the men whom joshua had placed under his command could no longer hold out against the attack of the enemy he sent to ask for aid joshua instantly entrusted the farther guidance of the battle to the second head of the tribe of judah nashon and uri the son of hur who had distinguished himself by courage and discretion and hastened with other picked men to his father's relief he had not lost a moment yet the conflict was decided when he appeared on the scene of action for when he approached the camp the amalekites had already broken through his father's troops cut it off from them and rushed in joshua first saved the brave old man from the foe then the next thing was to drive the sons of the desert from the tents and in doing so there was a fierce hand-to-hand -hand struggle of man against man and as he himself could be in only one place he was forced to leave the young man to shift for themselves here too he raised the war cry jehovah our standard and rushed upon the tent of her which the enemy had seized first and where the battle raged most fiercely many corpses already strewed the ground at its entrance and furious amalekites were still struggling with a band of hebrews but wild shrieks of terror rang from within its walls joshua dashed across the threshold as if his feet were winged and beheld a scene which filled even the fearless man with horror for at the left of the spacious floor hebrews and amalekites rolled fighting on the blood-stained mats while at the right he saw miriam and several of her women whose hands had been bound by the foe the men had desired to bear them away as a costly prize but an amalekite woman frantic with rage and jealousy and thirsting for revenge wished to devote the foreign women to a fiery death fanning the embers upon the hearth she had brought them with the help of the veil torn from miriam's head to a bright blaze a terrible uproar filled the spacious enclosure when joshua sprang into the tent here furious men were fighting yonder the female servants of the prophetess were shrieking loudly or as they saw the approaching warrior screaming for help and rescue their mistress deadly pale knelt before the hostile chief whose wife had threatened her with death by fire she gazed at her preserver as if she beheld a ghost that had just risen from the earth and what now happened remained imprinted on miriam's memory as a series of bloody horrible disconnected yet superb visions in the first place the amalekite chieftain who had bound her was a strangely heroic figure the bronzed warrior with his bold hooked nose black beard and fiery eyes looked like an eagle of his own mountains but another was soon to cope with him and that other the man who had been dear to her heart she had often compared him to a lion but never had he seemed more akin to the king of the wilderness both were mighty and terrible men no one could have predicted which would be the victor and which the vanquished but she was permitted to watch their conflict and already the hot-blooded son of the desert had raised his war cry and rushed upon the more prudent hebrew every child knows that life cannot continue if the heart ceases to throb for a minute yet miriam felt that her own stood still as if benumbed and turned to stone when the lion was in danger of succumbing to the eagle and when the latter's glittering knife flashed and she saw the blood gushing from the other's shoulder 
but the frozen heart had now begun to beat again nay it pulsed faster than ever for suddenly the leonine warrior toward whom she had felt such bitter hatred had again become as if by a miracle the friend of her youth with blast of trumpets and clash of cymbals love had again set forth to enter with triumphant joy the soul which had of late been so desolate so impoverished all that separated her from him was suddenly forgotten and buried and never was a more fervent appeal addressed to the most high than during the brief prayer for him which rose from her heart at that moment and the swiftness with which the petition was granted equalled its ardor for the eagle had fallen and lowered its pinions beneath the superior might of the lion then darkness veiled miriam's eyes and she felt as if in a dream ephraim severed the ropes around her wrists soon after she regained her full consciousness and now beheld at her feet the bleeding form of the conquered chieftain while on the other side of the tent the floor was strewn with dead and wounded men hebrews and amalekites among them many of her husband's slaves but beside the fallen men stood erect and exulting in victory the stalwart warriors of her people among them the venerable form of nun and joshua whose father was binding up his wounds to do this she felt was her duty and hers alone and a deep sense of shame a burning grief took possession of her as she remembered how she had sinned against this man she knew not how she who had caused him such deep suffering could atone for it how she could repay what she owed him her whole heart was overflowing with longing for one kind word from his mouth and she approached him on her knees across the blood-stained floor but the lips of the prophetess usually so eloquent seemed paralyzed and could not find the right language till at last from her burdened breast the cry escaped in loud imploring accents joshua oh joshua i have sinned heavily against you and will atone for it all my life but do not disdain my gratitude do not cast it from you and if you can forgive me she had been unable to say more then never would she forget it burning tears had gushed from her eyes and he had raised her from the floor with irresistible strength yet as gently as a mother touches her fallen child and from his lips mild gentle words full of forgiveness echoed in her ears the very touch of his right hand had assured her that he was no longer angry she still felt the pressure of his hand and heard his assurance that from no lips would he more gladly hear the name of joshua than from hers with the war cry jehovah our standard he at last turned his back upon her for a long time its clear tones and the enthusiastic shouts of his soldiers echoed in her ears finally everything around her had lapsed into silence and she only knew that never had she shed such bitter burning tears as in this hour and she made two solemn vows in the presence of the god who had summoned her to be his prophetess meanwhile both the men whom they concerned were surrounded by the tumult of battle one had again led his troops from the rescued camp against the foe the other was watching with the leader of the people the surging to and fro of the ever-increasing fury of the conflict joshua found his people in sore stress here they were yielding yonder they were still feebly resisting the onslaught of the sons of the desert but her gazed with increasing and redoubled anxiety at the progress of the battle 
for in the camp he beheld wife and grandson and below his son in mortal peril his paternal heart ached as he saw yuri retreat then as he pressed forward again and repelled the foe by a well-directed assault it throbbed joyously and he would gladly have shouted words of praise but whose ear would have been sharp enough to distinguish the voice of a single man amid the clash of arms and war cries the shrieks of women the wails of the wounded the discordant grunts of the camels the blasts of horns and trumpets mingling below now the foremost band of the amalekites had forced itself like a wedge into the rear ranks of the hebrews if the former succeeded in opening a way for those behind and joined the division which was attacking the camp the battle was lost and the destruction of the people sealed for a body of amalekites who had not mingled in the fray were still stationed at the southern entrance of the valley apparently for the purpose of defending the oasis against the foe in case of need a fresh surprise followed the sons of the desert had fought their way forward so far that the missiles of the slingers and bowmen could scarcely reach them if these men were not idle it was needful that they should be summoned to the battlefield her had long since shouted to yuri to remember them and use their aid again but now the figure of a youth suddenly appeared approaching from the direction of the camp as nimbly as a mountain goat by climbing and leaping from one rock to another as soon as he reached the first ones he spoke to them and made signs to the next who passed the message along and at last they climbed down into the valley scaled the western cliff to the height of several men and suddenly vanished as though the rock had swallowed them the youth whom the slingers and archers had followed was ephraim a dark shadow on the cliff where he had disappeared with the others must be the opening of a ravine through which they were doubtless to be guided to the men who had followed joshua to the succor of the camp such was the belief not only of her but of aaron and the former again began to doubt joshua's fitness for the lord's call for what benefited those in the tents weakened the army whose command devolved upon his son uri and his associate in office nashon the battle around the camp had already lasted for hours and moses had not ceased to pray with hands uplifted toward heaven when the amalekites succeeded in gaining a considerable vantage then the leader of the hebrews summoned his strength for a new and more earnest appeal to the most high but the exhausted man's knees tottered and his wearied arms fell but his soul had retained its energy his heart the desire not to cease pleading to the ruler of battles moses was unwilling to remain inactive during this conflict and his weapon was prayer like a child who would not cease urging its mother until she grants what it unselfishly beseeches for its brothers and sisters he clung imploringly to the omnipotent one who had hitherto proved himself a father to him and to his people and wonderfully preserved them from the greatest perils but his physical strength was exhausted so he summoned his companions who pushed forward a rock on which he seated himself in order to assail the heart of the most high with fresh prayers there he sat and though his wearied limbs refused their service his soul was obedient and rose with all his fire to the ruler of the destinies of men but his arms grew more and more paralyzed and at last fell as if weighted with lead for years it had become a necessity for him to stretch them heavenward when he appealed with all his fervor to god on high 
this his companions knew and they fancied they perceived that whenever the great leader's hands fell the sons of amalek gained a fresh advantage therefore they eagerly supported his arms one at the right side the other at the left and though the mighty man could no longer lift his voice in intelligible words though his giant frame reeled to and fro and though more than once it seemed to him as if the stone which supported him the valley and the whole earth rocked still his hands and eyes remained uplifted not a moment did he cease to call upon the most high till suddenly loud shouts of victory which echoed clearly from the rocky sides of the valley rose from the direction of the camp joshua had again appeared on the battlefield and at the head of his warriors rushed with resistless energy upon the foe the battle now assumed a new aspect the result was still uncertain and moses could not cease uplifting his heart and arms to heaven but at last at last this long final struggle came to an end the ranks of the amalekites wavered and finally scattered and disheartened dashed toward the southern entrance of the valley whence they had come there also cries were heard and from a thousand lips rang the glad shout jehovah our standard victory and again victory then the man of god removed his arms from the supporting shoulders of his companions swung them aloft freely and with renewed and wonderfully invigorated strength shouted i thank thee my god and my lord jehovah our standard the people are saved then darkness veiled the eyes of the exhausted man but a little later he again opened them and saw ephraim with the slingers and bowmen attack the body of amalekites at the southern entrance of the valley while joshua drove the main army of the sons of the desert toward their retreating comrades joshua had heard through some captives of a ravine which enabled good climbers to reach a defile which led to the southern end of the battlefield and ephraim obedient to his command had gone with the slingers and bowmen along this difficult path to assail in the rear the last band of foemen who were still capable of offering resistance pressed harassed from two sides and disheartened the sons of amalek gave up the conflict and now the hebrews beheld how these sons of the desert who had grown up in this mountain region understood how to use their feet for at a sign from their leader they spurred the dromedaries and flew away like leaves blown by the wind rough mountain heights which seemed inaccessible to human beings they scaled on their hands and feet like nimble lizards many others escaped through the ravine which the captured slaves had betrayed to joshua End of chapter twenty seven